Lord, I thank you that uh, I thank you that it's your joy to come and to speak to our hearts. I thank you that you want to do that. You like to do it. And so um, when we ask you that you, you come every time to do work in us. So, Lord, we're asking for soft hearts. Um, I'm asking for your spirit to speak, to uh, lead my words and my preparation, that, um, that you'd be honored and you'd be glorified in what we do and what we say. And um, would you help our hearts to be able to respond to what you would have for us today? Amen. So we're taking uh, a few weeks, and we're going to go through the in our soft launch. So we have a few weeks before our official launch. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about our values, which are kind of really where things get worked out. And I know we've, we've, I've said a lot of times, I've answered the question, why, why are we doing this? Why do we do this? Why do we decide, oh, let's start something at Maple Ridge uh, Secondary School? Why are we leaving places we know and and coming and doing this here. And it's a good question. It's an important question. Even as we went and we were inviting the neighborhood yesterday, we went out and in our practice time. We were like, okay, well, what are you going to say when you go to the door? You know, and so it was funny because Lauren was my example, and she kept being like a really ornery person. She kept asking, you know, questions and being really grumpy. But um, one of the questions was, well, you know, what, what, what is this about? Why are we doing this? You know, what, what are you about? And actually that was a question people asked. Well, what's this church about? And really, the, the reason why we're here, why we're doing another church, does Maybridge need another church? The reason why is because we want the most people possible to have an opportunity to encounter Jesus. That's what we want. That the most people possible would have an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And we believe that by coming here and gathering in this school, that more people have that opportunity. Even that we walked around this neighborhood, more people have an opportunity. Hey, there's a church right across the, the road from you. Okay, well, maybe some people come. And that's our hope. So what is Jubilee? People ask that question, too. What does that mean, Jubilee, that word? And I like explaining it over and over and over and talking about it. And I've encouraged you that if you're a part of this community and you go out and you say, yeah, I'm part of Jubilee, people will say, what does Jubilee mean? What is that? And that we should work on, like, a really short redemptive story explanation for Jubilee we should have maybe a little bit longer one for over the water cooler at work. So, you know, one for the elevator, it's like the 30-second. One for the water cooler, you have a few more minutes. Maybe one for the coffee shop. That should be like your two-hour version, maybe. <laughs> and, and so, really, the answer for, for me is that Jubilee is about hope, and it's about freedom. It was that many, many, many years ago, God said that there would be one year out of every 50 that would be called a year of Jubilee. And in that year, slaves were set free. And people's debts were canceled. They were erased. And land was returned to people. And when, when Jesus came, he walked into the synagogue and he pulled out the scripture and he read a passage about Jubilee. And he said, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm fulfilling, what I'm about. And uh, Jesus said he's here to proclaim good news and to rescue captives. So we think that's what we're also about. We're on a journey to freedom. And because of who God is and what God has done, that we can do that. We can enter into that journey of freedom that's more beautiful and more free, that we will be, in the end, the most us we could be, the most beautiful version of us because of Jesus. So then the question comes, what do we care about? And that's where we have values. So how do these things work themselves out? How are we going to 
How are we going to do that? Create opportunity for people to encounter Jesus. So three things, uh, and I've said this lots of times too. I had like 15 when I started, and people said, that's too many. No one can remember 15 values. But I care about a lot of things, maybe. That's my problem. And so the ones we came back with were the redemptive news, the relational journey, and the outward mission. And I fit lots of my other values under these headings. So, um, But I thought we could take the next three weeks and we'd basically just talk about what does this mean? What does that look like? So today is the redemptive news. And um, the passage that I wanted to read from was the passage that actually Jesus read from when he went into that synagogue and he read and he said, this is what I'm about. And so you could find that in Luke, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And um, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It's in the back half, and I'll read it for you. Um, If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. This is what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim. To proclaim. To proclaim. And to set at liberty. And so our big idea this morning, my big idea, is that we expect to see our community grow as lost people find hope in Jesus. We expect to see our community grow as lost people find hope in Jesus. And if you looked up on the website, that's where um, you'll find that tagline because that's what we're hoping for. So before, um, before you can give something to someone else, you need to have it. You need to have experienced it or seen it. And this passage says, proclaim good news, proclaim liberty, proclaim God's favor. But the question would be, if you you don't have it, if you've never experienced it yourself, it would be impossible for you to give it to someone else or to share with someone else about something you don't know or you haven't seen or you haven't experienced. So this is important for us, that we would experience this. What is redemption? We use this word, maybe in church we use this word a lot, redemption, redemption. What does that mean? And in order to understand it, I think that the best way to understand it is to, to look at all the places in the Bible where they talk about redemption. And the, the most commonly used image with redemption is actually slavery. That's the, the opposite picture of redemption. And I, don't, I know Canadians, we don't really get this idea of slavery because we don't have slaves, which is good. <laughs> and we haven't really seen slavery in action, most of us, I don't think. And so the, the concept of it is like something we've seen in a movie or something we watched, you know, 12 Years a Slave or whatever, Amistad, or there's m- these movies about slavery that maybe hit us hard because the truth is that slavery is brutal and it's horrible and violent. There's so many uh, painful things about it, ugly. And um, when I thought about slavery, I thought about these things. It's slavery, if we have really distilled it to what is slavery, is that there's a person who's owned by another person or entity for the purpose of servitude. So you are owned by someone for servitude. And that could be because you were born into slavery or it could be because you had to be sold into slavery to pay debts. So that happened a lot. And another thing about it, this second thing is that usually you have few or no rights as a slave. Some places maybe get a little bit, but most of the time slaves have no rights because you are considered property if you're a slave. 
The third thing would be that because of that, you would be unable to free yourself. A slave can't free themselves very well because they're under the power or the control of another person who has the say over whether they want to set them free or not. So this picture of slavery is actually, it's used to talk about or describe our condition because of sin. That's how the Bible uses this slavery picture, that we are slaves because of sin. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's not, my, I don't practice sin. I mean, I don't really do that. I'm a pretty good person, so I don't think that's my problem. And I need to break it to you that sin isn't just the problem that bad people have because they do bad things. This is a problem, actually, that's a problem for all of us. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned. So that's a pretty inclusive word, all, unfortunately. I would just say some, for some have sinned. But it says all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is our problem. This is the problem we all have, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So redemption is important then. And redemption is described as the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing a debt. So the picture, if you were a slave and someone came and redeemed you, they would pay whatever you owed. They would buy you out of slavery into freedom. And this is the picture of what God did for us. This is about what Jesus did. So Romans 3.24 says this, And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a very big word, propitiation, which means, actually it's a great word because it means atoning sacrifice. It's that picture of someone giving themselves to make something right. And that's what Jesus did. By his blood to be received by faith. So, we've got the picture. God's standard is perfection. That's, that's where he's put the line. And I fall short of perfection. Some of you maybe join me in that category. There's a few of you who don't, maybe. Or we all do. I do. I'll say me. I fall short. And that means that I'm, g- I'm a slave to sin. Because I fall short and, and I'm below the line, that's my problem. And I can't get free on my own. That's slavery. So Jesus was sent to redeem us, to buy us out. And through his death and resurrection, now I'm set free from slavery. And I get to live a free life. This is Jubilee. This is what Jesus says when he says, it's good news for the poor or it's liberty for the captive. So, I have been set free from slavery. I've been redeemed. I'm a coffee drinker. I am, and I'll admit it. I love coffee. And recently, I decided that I was going to start decreasing my coffee intake. I know. It was a big deal. If you're a coffee person, you know what a big deal that was. Because here's the thing. I realized something that over the years, when I had my second child, so I have five kids, and my second child, that's where I started drinking coffee. I, so that can tell you how far I've come now. It's increased every child. And so I, drink, I started drinking coffee, and this was great. And, but over the years, I've noticed something. And what I've noticed is this. 
I'll be totally honest with you. So in the morning, I like to have two mugs of coffee. I don't call them cups. I call them mugs because their designation of cup is different. So I get two mugs in the morning. I have my morning coffee. So good. And I love, and then I love having my afternoon coffee. So I have two mugs in the afternoon. That was my coffee. So this is what I realized. If I missed some coffee in the morning or in the afternoon, bam, I would get this headache, this caffeine headache. And I didn't like to talk about it with anyone because it makes it sound really bad, right? Like, I can't miss my coffee. If I miss my coffee, then I'm in trouble. Now, coffee isn't bad. I don't think coffee's bad. I think coffee's great. But the problem is coffee is my master is not good. Coffee can be a slave driver because then everywhere I go, I'm looking for that afternoon coffee or I need that morning coffee. If I don't get it, I'm in trouble. And I think lots of things are like this for us. Maybe they're good things. They're not even that bad. But when they're our master, when they rule us, that's where they become sin. So here's the, here's the description. Timothy Keller says this, that sin is making even good things into the ultimate thing. And that's our problem, really, is we do this with all sorts of things. So I did it with coffee. We do it with all sorts of things. We make those good things all into the ultimate thing, and we begin living for that thing, and that's sin. And the list can range from maybe it's at the bad end, which we know we would say, oh, yeah, don't live for pride or selfishness. Oh, yeah, it's really bad. But we could, and that would be down there at one end. And down the other end is some good things, like, oh, I live for my family. You know, I'm trying to do everything for my family. It's so important and good, and that's a good thing. But as the ultimate thing, it still becomes something that will never satisfy us, and it will always let us down. And, in fact, it's replacing what's meant to be there. So Galatians 3.22 says, The scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. So the picture is, as we serve all these things, we become slaves, so we become prisoners. And as we choose to believe in God and, and release those things and put God in, Jesus in the ultimate place, we become free. So I receive my freedom by believing in Jesus. Now, I am redeemed, so Jesus died on the cross, and he made a way for me to be set free. So I'm right with God. I'm free. So thank you, Jesus. But I am also being redeemed. So thanks to God's Spirit, who changes me every day, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like God because the day I experienced that freedom, wow, Jesus, you died for me. Well, I want to trust you and follow you. Okay, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm putting you in the ultimate position. Then the next day, I still wasn't perfect. Unfortunately, I hate to blow it for you guys if you're wondering. And so I was still struggling over that. And, and I grow day by day. I'm being redeemed. So Romans uh, six seventeen says, Thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. That you've become obedient from the heart. So something happens over time. We slowly are becoming, and we become obedient in the heart. Things change in our heart. And this is the journey that is described in the Bible over and over and over. And the example that's used a lot of the time is the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. They were slaves. They went and they were uh, enslaved by Egypt, and they served for hundreds of years. They were in slavery, crying out, God, would you save us? God, would you save us? And 
Then God comes, he sends Moses, he says, I've heard your cry, and he sends Moses to set the people free. And there's all the plagues and the story that happens, and the people come out of, out of Egypt, and they are set free. They're not slaves anymore, and they go out into the desert, and then they have to go through a lot of process, a lot of growing, because they don't act like free people. They act like children, mostly complaining and whining and everything and they're constantly making bad decisions and there's this whole growing process that happens with them and throughout that god says this so deuteronomy 15 15 god says you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of egypt and that your god redeemed you therefore i command you this day god says you got to remember where you came from you got to remember that you were redeemed that i redeemed you i brought you out of slavery But there's a whole road ahead of you here where you're getting set free slowly and surely. You have to remember that you were a slave and God set you free. And now we're leaving behind slave things, that slave life, like fear and shame. And we're walking into joy and into freedom with Jesus. The brokenness turns to beauty. So once you've experienced freedom... Once you've experienced redemption, then something happens. And I think what happens is that you begin to want to share this great news with other people. And other people need to hear this great news, that this is the story. What Jesus has done, that we can be free. But the problem is that, just like us, the world is lost. I've been lost. Really lost. Um, Lauren and I went on our first date. Or a second date. If you ask her, she says our second date. But I would say our first date. We went for coffee, but that wasn't really a date. It was kind of like checking each other out. And then I was looking for a great second date. First date. And so, guys, I just want you to know that if you're looking for a great date where you can talk quite a bit, where you can go out in nature, where there's beautiful scenery, and a date that's free, which was important to me at the time, that you could go hiking. It's great. So this is what I did. I took Lauren, and we, were, we lived in Langley, and so we said, let's go to that place, Golden Ears. I've heard of it. It's supposed to be really beautiful. So without even knowing, we went to Maple Ridge. <laughs> beautiful Maple Ridge. And so we went, and we drove out to Golden Ears. We got the little map in the parking lot. Now, this is how I remember the map looking. So <laughs> if you go see the real map, it might not look quite like this. But in my mind, this is what it looked like. So we looked at them and we said, let's do the falls. Let's, this is like a, a hike to the falls. Let's go do that. So if you've ever done the hike to the falls, it's not that hard. It's, pretty, it's a pretty nice hike. You know, so we walked. We get to the falls. We take some pictures. And then we start walking back and we realize this is going to be a pretty short date. And I was hoping for a long date. <laughs> so Lauren says, hey, look on this map. Look. Look at the other line. That's a path, too. It's not even that far away. Let's just leave this path and we'll go... And we'll go get on that other path. And then we'll go down and we'll walk on that path. And then we'll come back to the parking lot. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. And the only reason I said that is because I'm a man. And I did not want to look afraid in front of the girl I was going to be dating. So, because inside, I'm not a, that adventurous. So I was pretty nervous. I was like, no, like, the golden ears is really big. I don't think we should do this. She said, no, no, let's do this. Let's do it. Come on. So we leave the path and we start walking. Now, on the map, it, you can't see it, but it goes like this. There's like gullies and hail rocks and there's like, there's all the creeks and the trees have fallen and we're climbing over things and we're going through this. 
And so what looks like it should be like a five-minute hike through the thing, and we could be there for hours. We were in there going over the logs, down the thing, and I start to get afraid. I don't even, she's talking, blah, 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 blah. I don't even hear her anymore. <laughs> this is not a good date anymore because I am, I'm like terrified. I'm, gonna, I'm like, how am I going to make survival? Thing? Can I make fire? How am I going to take care of her? I'll build a lean-to. Build a lean-to. I'm like, so yeah, I was terrified. I was afraid. And so in the end, we never got there. What we did, I think, is we just walked back toward the parking lot in the middle of this mess. But you know what? Here's the deal. Being lost isn't fun. It's not. If you've been really lost. I don't mean like, oh, I got on the wrong street. I was lost. I mean, if you're really lost, it's not fun. And you can pretend it's a good adventure like I was trying to do for her. But the truth is I was terrified. It was scary. I I didn't know where we were going. I was so scared. Isaiah 53 describes the situation that we're all in. The world is in this way. All, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We left the path. We started off into the wild. And all of us are walking in the wild and we're lost until we get found. Now, someone's thinking, (laughs) someone here is thinking, it's okay. You don't have to put up your hand. You're thinking, I don't need redemption. Jonathan, I don't need this. I'm I'm doing okay. I can solve my own problems. I'm not that lost. I kind of know where I am. I'm between these two lines. I can figure it out myself. I don't need a free hand me down or pull me up or anything like that. Or maybe you think, who who are you to tell me this? This is what Christians always say. They say, well, you're lost. Oh, you're lost. What do you know? I don't need redemption. And to that, I would say, yes, you do. (laughs) You do. And if you don't know that, then you know what? You actually need it more. Because the truth is this, that although we often think God's going to line us all up from the best to the worst, and we're going to be in that line somewhere, and if I can just get in the top 50%, if I can just make it in the top 50, then I'm going to be good. I'm going to make it. The truth is that God's standard, exactly what I said before, God's standard is, he's not going to say, are you in the top 50? Oh, you guys go, okay, you go to heaven. Oh, you guys, oh, sorry about that. God's going to say whoever's perfect, come and step out of line. That's the standard. That's, That's the problem. And so if you could tell me you're perfect, then I'll stop bothering you. Then you can say, leave me alone, and I'll say, sure, no problem. And if you don't know you aren't perfect, I'll talk to your spouse or your parents because Everyone, I think, has those two things, and they could tell me the truth, which is that you and I aren't perfect. And here's the thing. The good news seems better to people who understand the mess they're in. That's why if you go to an AA group or somewhere where people have seen the mess of their lives, they get it a lot faster than people whose lives are really tidy and clean. It was the same way with Jesus. When Jesus was walking around on the earth, guess who's the people who are accosting him with tricky tricky things. They're trying to outsmart him. It was the religious people, the, the experts of the law who thought, ah, oh, my life's pretty good. I'm righteous. I got this together. And they came at Jesus, and they were trying to be smarter than Jesus. That's how they spent their time with Jesus. But it was the lepers and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the children and the fishermen and average Joes with messy lives and ex-husbands. The one had four ex-husbands. These people come to Jesus, the blind and the lame and the adulterers and the thieves. They come to meet Jesus. 
to be healed and to be set free. And so George McLeod says this about what we should be doing as the church. He says, I simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace, as well as on the steeple of the church. I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on a town garbage heap, at a crossroad of politics so cosmopolitan they had to write his title in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek. And it's the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died about. And that is where Christ's men ought to be and what the church people ought to be about. That's where Christ died. That's where he died. And that's where we should be and what we should be about. So this message of redemption, as we are Jubilee, we believe this message of redemption is for everybody. There's not a single person that it excludes. Men, women, transgender people, rich, poor, seniors, teens and preschoolers, blue-collar, white-collar, academics and farmers, married, divorced, single, parents and children, the hearing-impaired and those who sing on key. God is love. God is love. He has redeemed us and he set us free. No one is too messed up for God to come and redeem and make beautiful something out of their life. And no one's glossy veneer is too shiny for them not to need it. Luke 11.10 says, For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. If you knock on the door, you say, God, I'm a mess. I need you. Every time he comes. Because we have experienced the horror and brutality of slavery and then walked into freedom, and we know what it feels like to be set free, this is something that we carry with joy. We, we, engage, we love it. It's such an incredible thing that's happened to us. And so I think we shouldn't be, we, sh- we, will, we won't stop talking about it. It's something we love to talk about. And we won't stop celebrating when we find lost people come and encounter Jesus and get set free themselves. Now the last part of this is that we experience redemption and then we, we want to share redemption with others. But we don't just talk about it. It says we proclaim liberty and we set at liberty. Those were two different things Jesus said. He said, I'm here to proclaim liberty and I'm here to set at liberty. And I think they're two different things. I've read, I've been reading in the Old Testament. My, my Old Testament reading right now is through Leviticus, which is the law and, um, and Numbers. And it's full of these places where it talks about people being redeemers. So not God as redeemer, but people being redeemers. And it says things like, you could redeem your firstborn donkey, or you could redeem your firstborn son, or you could redeem your concubine slave wife, if you're into that sort of thing. And you could redeem your family land. There's all these places. Like an, another example is Leviticus 25, 25. If your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come 
and redeem what his brother has sold. It was like a role, a family role. Like, oh, who's the redeemer right now? Oh, it's, it's Jonathan. Yeah, he's the redeemer. Okay, go talk to him in the family. So this was like a, a thing people were doing too. And I think God put redemption in the law because it's a part of who he is. He is the redeemer. And he wanted for us also to catch this vision, this picture that we are redeemers too as we walk with him. It's something we don't just talk about. Oh, you need redemption. Oh, yeah, I had redemption. You should get redemption. Okay, hopefully you do that. Okay, see you later. It's something we participate in. We are part of it. And so there's three things I thought of that I could say is uh, hopefully practical for us. That um, redeemers make the world beautiful is the first one. Redeemers look for broken things is the second. And redeemers see potential in people is the third. So redeemers make the world more beautiful. I think that's part of what we're called to do. So we gather, we come here on a Sunday morning, and then we're meant to scatter. We go out. And we're not just going to church and then going home. We are coming together to be the church gathered. And then we go out to be the church scattered. So we're going out just as much as we have a call to be here to be the church. We go out there to be the church. And that means that we're going to make a difference. And one of those things is that we're going to make things beautiful. Jesus told us to go and be salt and light. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And that's a pretty big statement. You're the light of the world. Whoa. Light is meant to be beautiful. It's illuminating. Salt, it flavors things. We're meant to go in and we're meant to change things where we are. I think of my daughter, Maddie. And um, there's Maddie. She's 11, and she's super gifted and talented to do public speaking. It's weird. <laughs> and so she, in her school, they have these speeches. So in grade, I think it's grade four, you start doing these speeches. So Maddie was super pumped about this. So her speech last year, she did on different world religions. And in the conclusion, she shared her testimony about how she's encountered Jesus and he's made a difference in her life in front of her whole school. Like, I don't know if I could do that. That's pretty hard. This year, she's talking about the golden rule. She's, she, she's, her, her focus is how do I make inroads with people? How do I make the truth beautiful to them that they will want it? And so she shares passionately about how if we applied this teaching of Jesus, it would make the world a better place pretty awesome. And here she is. She's proclaiming it in her school. Isaiah 61 says our job, and this is the job of Jubilee, this is what happens in Jubilee, is that we comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And so people will find Jubilee in school speeches. And they'll find it in coffee shop conversations because that's where we'll be. That's what we'll be about. Secondly, redeemers look for broken things. Redeemers are drawn to broken things like handymen are drawn to broken dishwashers. It's true. Why is this a surprise? We had a party a, a few months ago. It was maybe in the fall. And my brother's friend came. And so I was in the other room and our dishwasher was broken. And someone came up to me and was like, Mark's taking apart your dishwasher. And so I went back in the kitchen, and Mark was, had started taking the whole thing apart. He had the broken piece out, and he was already on his phone. He was like, I can order this piece online, and I can get it for you, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to put it back in here, and I'm going to fix it for you. 
It was amazing. It was incredible. This is what Isaiah 61 says about us. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined city, the devastations of many generations. What would it look like if we were people who carried with us this intention that we're going to repair broken places where generations have been devastated? We're going to come in and we're going to bring repair and redemption as we walk with Jesus. It's beautiful that Jesus is in the renewal of things. We're going to come and bring life. So I think there's lots of things like we're going to repair and recycle and repurpose and renew. And maybe it's people and properties and homes and businesses and neighborhoods and dishwashers and gardens. All sorts of places where God is saying, I've gifted you to bring repair, to make things new. And people will find jubilee in their orchards and in their AA meetings, bringing beauty and the broken. And the third one is that redeemers see potential. So redeemers see potential, not limitation. I, when I started soccer coaching, um, I didn't, I actually did it because I was a little bit irritated with the coach who was doing it at the time because I felt like he didn't really manage the kids very well. And so it wasn't that I thought I was going to be a great coach. It's that I just thought I can manage those kids better. Like they'll listen when I'm talking to them and I can make it fun and maybe I'll teach them a little something along the way. So that was like five years ago. And over the last five years, we've had a number of kids, and they keep requesting to be back on our team with Elijah. And so we've been coaching them over the last few years. And this year it all is changing because the age level changes and the teams break up and all sorts of things happen. So I'm a bit sad in my heart as I'm watching, you know, watching the last, we have our last practice this week. And we had our bubble soccer last night, and they gave me, for that they've never given me anything before, but they gave me a little trophy. And on the trophy, this is what it said. It said, you're a special coach because you see, there was some, a quote, about seeing tomorrow in kids' eyes. And, and the point is that when you look at people, when you walk with them, our job as redeemers in the world is that we see potential where other people don't. We see hope where other people don't. We see possibility where other people won't. That's part of what we're meant to do as we go into the world. So on my team full of kids, the kid who can't play soccer at all, it's my job as a redeemer to stand there and say, maybe this isn't your year where you're going to become all coordinated and be the soccer superstar, but maybe it's next year. I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying to make soccer fun for you. And I've got kids on my team. I don't know if they're ever going to play soccer very long, much more. But you know what? They've had someone speak over them hope and redemption and possibility. And that's what we're meant to do. So I think you're going to find Jubilee in community sports and on city task forces and in second chances where we're making a difference. We're calling things to life. Isaiah 61 says, Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall receive, they shall rejoice in their lot. And therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. So, we expect to see our community grow as lost people find hope in Jesus. We care about redemptive news. This is the message we bring for people, for ourselves, that we are going to encounter Jesus and he's going to make us new. So there's redemption for us, that we experience freedom. There's redemption for others, and this is the good news we're proclaiming, we're sharing with the world. We're not hiding it, we're going to talk about it, that this is available for people.
and we want to live redemption. We want to bring renewal as we partner with Jesus in the world. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for us. That, um, that we couldn't make a way for ourselves. We couldn't set ourselves free. I, c- I couldn't do it even though I tried as hard as I could. I just couldn't make the grade. And Jesus, you gave your life as an offering, as a sacrifice to set me free, to pay what I owed so that I could be free, could walk in freedom. And God, we're grateful for that, Lord. Would you awaken our hearts to, um, to bring this message to people and to bring it in ways people can hear and that people could receive it. But Lord, that this is a message of good news. This is good news, what you've done and what you're doing. And God, we ask too that you'd help us to um, apply it in our lives, not just to talk about it on Sunday morning or in a community group, but Lord, that you would make us people that wherever we go, whatever we do, that we're living out redemption in little ways and big ways with our words and with our actions. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.